Welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Today, you are going to learn how to outsmart emotional eating and live a life of happiness and joy without giving up the foods you love. Now, here is Dr. Nina. Hi, welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I'm your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rocklin, and I am here to help you liberate yourself from emotional eating, take control of your life, and feel good in your body, all without dieting, spending hours in the gym, or counting a single macro. Today's topic is, how can I stop stress eating? Uh, the first the first show of every month, and that is today. Today, I'm recording this on uh, February 1st, so it is the first day of the month. It is the first show of the month, and that is when I do a, a Q&A for you. So if you, if you have any questions, you can call the show. You can write me at my website. You can just ask me anything, and I will answer on the show. And if you are on Instagram, you can also drop a question or a comment there. Okay, so stress, stress eating. Stress is an inevitable part of our lives. We cannot change that. We live in busy, hectic, stressful times, but we can change the way we respond to stress. So stress eating is a kind of emotional eating. It is a coping strategy where we turn to food for comfort, relief, or as a distraction from stressful situations. And by the way, we we talk about stress a lot, and sometimes we mean different things when we talk about stress. So let me just break down some of the types of stress that you might be feeling because it's important to know when you say you're stressed what do you actually mean by that it can mean different things so there's acute stress which is the most common type of stress and it is kind of a, a um situational it's triggered by you have a deadline at work or some kind of uh, argument accident something that is specific to a situation and it is not chronic so it's situational acute stress and then there's, a, it's called episodic acute stress. And that means that the, it, you keep having these episodes of stress. You keep feeling stressed about this happens this day, this happens that day. It just happens over and over and over again. Every day, it seems like there's another episode of, of stress. And this is particularly common in people who have hectic, chaotic lifestyles or people who are always worried. Because if you're always worried, well, you're always stressed, um, and it 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 means that very little it takes very little for you to have that stress reaction. Okay, um, and then there's chronic stress, which is uh, just what it sounds like. It's chronic, and it just it it. It happens over a long period of time. Often you don't even notice that you're in a in a place of always feeling stressed. It is the most harmful type of stress. Um, and it comes from the unending pressures that don't let up. So um, financial issues, poverty, um, dysfunctional families, unhappy marriages, unhappy jobs, things like that. Uh, and of course, you know, that is something a lot of us feel in our crazy, busy world that we live today. Um, and then there is, it's called eustress, which is, sounds like Y-O-U, but it's 
E-U, stress, eustress, which is kind of a positive form of stress, but it is nonetheless stress. And it means that you're challenged. Like you, you've got a, like you, you, you've, you've got a professional goal you're doing and, and you're excited about it. And it's kind of like positive stress, but it still impacts you as something negative. It affects your, your body. It affects your, your, you know, your, your sense of, of, being able to relax, all of those things. You're still stressed, even though it feels positive. And that's why a lot of times people don't realize they're stressed. They're like, but I'm doing what I love. Yes, I'm working 16 hours a day, but I love it. Yeah, uh, working 16 hours a day, you may love it, but guess what? You're under stress. Uh, and then there's, of course, the opposite of you stress is distress, which is just negative stress, negative life events that are, there's a lot of overlap over these categories, but negative life events, the overwhelming responsibilities, things that are just really, you know, constantly bothering you. Um, and there's physical stress, right? When you don't get enough sleep, when you get sick, uh, when you get injured, when you have poor nutrition, that, that has a, a, a physical stress effect on you. Um, and then there's, I guess you can call it existential stress or existential anxiety, which is somewhere along the lines of what does it mean? What does life mean? What is the purpose of life? Facing significant transitions in your life, you know, becoming a parent, losing a parent, your kids go off to college, you know, something like that. Um, and existential anxiety is just, it's, it's a stressful way of, of being in the world where you're wondering, what's it all about? What is the purpose of life? And it can lead to depression or, or chronic anxiety. So those are just some of the forms of stress that I wanted to tell you about because it, it is helpful to, to think about, well, what kind of stress are you actually experiencing? So stress eating is a way of coping. It is a coping mechanism, right? It is a frenemy. It is a friend in that it helps you in some way. It gives you comfort. It gives you relief. It gives you distraction from stressful situations. Um, and uh, that is why you really have to look at at stress eating as, uh, or any kind of emotional eating as, it's it's a way that you are trying to help yourself, but you are actually hurting yourself. Um, so that's something to really be aware of. Um, hold on, I'm just having a little technical issue here on my end. Uh, ignore me, sorry about this. Um, okay. Uh, so, so stress is often, as you can tell, like when you feel this stressed out and you're, whether you're, you're having existential stress and you're worried about what is the purpose of life or you're stressed out because you have a job deadline or it's positive stress, you've got something good going on, maybe, you know, having a baby, getting married. These are all wonderful life transitions, but they are also stressful. So whatever it is, you, if you don't have a way of coping you're going to use food for comfort, for distraction, for what have you, because it works. It works. And by the way, it works a lot better than, say, brushing your teeth, going on a walk, 
any of those things that sometimes we are told that uh, to do instead of using food. You know, taking a bubble bath. You know what? If taking a bubble bath worked as well as as emotional eating or stress eating, everyone would be walking around looking like prunes because uh, they'd always be in the bath. It just doesn't work that way. Um, eating is much more helpful to you in that moment. Again, it's much more of a friend, uh, but of course it's also an enemy. So we might also try to sedate ourselves with certain types of food, especially high carb foods that tend to have kind of a, a, a sedative effect. And it can also be a way of distracting from difficult thoughts and feelings. So instead of worrying about what's bothering us, we're focused on what we're eating. So if you're worried about your finances or you're worried about uh, whether you're going to get fired or not, or I guess those two things are combined, or you're you're uh, going to become a parent and or, or a grandparent and you don't know what, how you're going to do with that, that's, that's stress. Instead of asking yourself the big questions or if you have ex existential anxiety, what's life all about? That's hard to think about. It's a lot easier to be like, oh my God, I, I will not go into the kitchen after dinner. So it it help, it distracts us. Instead of worrying about what's truly bothering us, we are focused on what we are eating, what we weigh, and all of that. Um, also, stress can trick you. It can trick your body into thinking you're hungry when you're not, thinking you're physically hungry when you're not. So you can somatize uh, stress into into physical hunger. What do I mean by that? It's this phenomenon where emotional hunger is actually felt as physical hunger, just to make life interesting, right? So this happens when our bodies and minds become so intertwined, which you know they are. We can't really separate our bodies from our, our minds. They they work together. That any state of yearning can trigger a, a sense of physical hunger. So it it involves, you know, our psychology, our physiology, all of that. So if if you are hungry all the time and you're also stressed all the time, ask yourself, what do I want more of in life? What do I not have enough of? What do I want more of in life? Because our, again, when we're dealing with with emotional stress or discomfort or, or even physical stress, any kind of the the types of stresses that I just talked about, our mind converts those feelings of 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 yearning and wishing and wanting into physical hunger. Physical hunger is a lot easier to uh, address than emotional hunger or emotional distress. So your your brain basically confuses your emotional needs with your body's physical needs, and it's a lot easier to turn to food for comfort than it is to focus on what's eating at you. Remember, when it comes to emotional eating, it's not what you're eating that is the problem. It is what is eating at you. So what to do? What to do if you realize, yeah, I'm pretty stressed out all the time, but I don't know what else to do right? I am here to help you. Okay. So the first thing you want to do is think about this. Um, often we stress ourselves out with what we think is going to happen. So are you stressed about the situation as it is now in the present, or are you stressed about something that is in the future? 
Often it's in the future. Oh, I have this this work deadline. What if I don't make it? And then what if my boss is mad at me? And what if I get fired? And then what am I going to do? Oh my God, where am I going to live? How am I going to pay the rent? How am I going to pay the mortgage? What's going to happen, right? And now you're having even more stress and anxiety about something that hasn't happened when really you're, you just need to focus on, well, how do you make this deadline? You know, how do you make that job deadline? Or, oh my God, I'm going to get married. But what if I, you know, what, what, what if we get divorced one day? Like, you know, look at the statistics, 51% of people get divorced. Uh, how, how, what if I get divorced and then what? And what if I'm alone for the rest of my life? And, and what if I never find someone else? And what if it turns out that the person I divorced was actually better than anyone else who's out there? Oh my God. You see how we stress ourselves out about the future. So if that is something that you do and something that you can relate to, here's a here's a here's a strategy. All of that is what if. What if? What if what if what if? And that is anxiety, fear, stress about a future event that hasn't happened yet. So it's about it's about what hasn't happened. And but and yet we have real feelings of anxiety stress is anxiety. We have real feelings of anxiety in the present about something that doesn't exist. So instead of what if, think about what is. What is, what if is fear about the future? What is, that's the facts about the present. So if it's, oh, I've got this job deadline and I've got to, you know, finish this project by this time, then instead of going to what all the what ifs, which cause you anxiety, which cause you stress, and you can't stress yourself out and calm yourself down at the same time, enter food, which can calm you down and distract you and all of the things. So instead of going there, stay with what is, which is what, what are the facts. What do you know to be true in the present? So rather than, oh my God, what if I don't do this? And what if I, what if I get fired? And what if I'm out on the street? And it's, wait, what is? What is? What are the facts? I have this job deadline. I am working on it. I am capable of doing this. I, I, am, I am capable of, of doing hard things and I can figure this out. And maybe I need to ask for some help or maybe I need to ask for an extension or maybe I need to, like, how can I figure it out? And, and so that you're encouraging yourself and you're sticking with the facts of uh, and the reality of what is so you don't freak yourself out about the future. You stay in the present. It's a lot less stressful and a lot less anxiety producing. So that way, if in, rather than, you know, the, the other example I gave was, what if, what if I get married and we get divorced one day? Ah, you know, <laughs> statistics are not with us. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Yeah, that causes anxiety in the present. Instead of that, I am getting married to this person who I love and I know this person loves me and we are going to find strategies to work through things together and we're going to face obstacles and, you know, we're both committed and, and we love each other now and that is all we have. So I'm going to enjoy this love and I'm going to cherish and be cherished. Then how do you feel? A lot better. And when you can calm yourself down with your mind... You don't need food as a way of distracting your, your, yourself, comforting yourself, sedating yourself. Again, stress feels like, uh, 
feels very, it, it, it feels like you've had a lot of coffee, a lot of caffeine. You get that stress buzz, which is not pleasant. Food can give you that sedative effect. So how about you calm yourself down with your mind, not, not with food. Now, another way to, to calm yourself down when you feel stressed, other than use food, and other than the what if, what is, or in addition to the what if, what is, actually, is it's called progressive muscle relaxation. So if I just say to you, hey, relax, relax, and you're stressed out, what's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. Absolutely nothing is going to happen. Nothing at all. You're going to, you're just going to be like, I can't relax. Oh, I'm stressed. Okay. So here's what you need to do. You need to give your body something to relax against. And how we do that is we tighten our muscles. Um, I'm going to do it. If, you, if you're watching me on the Instagram live stream, we could do it together. <laughs> Don't worry about looking goofy. I can't see you. You could see me. And what if I look goofy? Oh, well. And if you're listening on the show, just try this at home. What you and now progressive muscle relaxation means that you you tighten one part of your body and then another part and then another part and you relax each part. I think like, hey, just tighten your whole body. Just tighten your whole body at once. So you know, tighten your legs, tighten your arms, make fists. Just like like just tighten your arm muscles, your leg muscles, your abs. Just hold it and then hold it. Hold it for as long as you can, but let's just do it another, if you're doing this with me, just do it another five, four, three, two, one. Now relax. You should absolutely feel a sense of relaxation in your body. And when you relax your body, that gives your mind a little bit of breathing room, as it were, to think about what's going on. Um, a relaxed body leads to a relaxed mind. And a relaxed mind re leads to a relaxed body. So reassure yourself, you know, and reacquaint yourself with reality by staying with what is the facts and what you know to be true, rather than going to what if, which will freak you out because it's about fear something in the future that hasn't happened that causes you real anxiety in the present. Eliminate that by just staying in the present and relax your body by using this muscle relaxation technique. It really is super effective. Um, something else you you might want to do, and by the way, I, I'm not only just talking about stress today. I have questions from other people, but this is just a, a so it's a Q&A, so this is just one of the questions I get a lot about stress eating, so I wanted to go into it in depth. But if you are on Instagram or you want to call the show, uh, please uh, drop a comment um, in the comment box and I will answer you. So the other thing you can do is keep a food diary for a week. Uh, because you will notice some things. You will notice some patterns. So let's say you always seem to have that mid-afternoon cookie, which leads to multiple cookies, and then the day is ruined. So you go home and you eat everything else, you know, whatever. Or maybe you don't turn it into a binge, but you notice that you're sort of stress eating cookies or chips or chocolate or whatever it is at a, a particular time of the day. And so 
Um, keeping a food diary can really help you link what's going on to what's going on with food. So you may notice, oh, every time you're, you have m multiple work projects and you're juggling way too much, or every time you have a tense meeting, or every time you talk to that particular person at work, you automatically reach for the, the cookies, the chips, the whatever. So understanding that those triggers, that is a really important first step towards changing them. Now, I say first step because first you got to see why you're eating instead of focusing on what you are eating. But just recognizing the why, of course, that is not enough to create change, but it is important. I like to make the analogy to an invisible army. You cannot fight an invisible army. You just get beaten up. And this is the army of ideas and uh, feelings and thoughts and notions that you have about yourself and the world and the future and other people and all of this. That if, if you don't know that you're having these certain kinds of thoughts and ideas or associations, you're just gonna you're just gonna be beaten up. You're gonna just go to that cookie jar or get the snacks or whatever. But when you make the army visible, and you see what you are fighting, then you can fight back. So the first step of anything is to realize why you are turning to food. Why are you stress eating? Why are you emotional eating? Why are you binge eating? Instead of focusing on what you are eating. Because once you know, oh, I realize that every time I, I talk to my mother-in-law, I just want to go eat something and cram food down my throat. Huh, maybe my mother-in-law is a trigger. Okay, then that then then it's like okay, how do I deal with my feelings about my mother-in-law? How do, like then you then you know you have a direction, you know what you need to do to create change. Instead of, oh my god, I can't believe I ate that. And then beating yourself up and being upset with yourself. Hey, maybe you're upset with your mother-in-law. Or, you know, fill in the blank. Um, so being able to, to identify your why is everything. That is your first step to creating lasting change. Um, so the next time you find yourself in a position of sort of frantic stress eating, take a deep breath, stay with what is, not what if, use the muscle relaxation technique I just taught you, and maybe just take a breath, take a deep breath, and ask yourself, what's eating at you? What's bothering you? What's bothering you? And how would you suggest that a friend or a loved one deal with what's bothering you? Like if, if a friend said, oh my God, I'm so stressed out, my, my I'll, I'll switch it up. My father-in-law is on my last nerve. Would you say, oh, I got you. Here are some cookies. <laughs> Let's order pizza. I don't think so. No. You'd say, oh, I know. That's the worst. Talk to me. Well, you've got to be that for yourself. Got to, you've got to do that for yourself. There are only two ways of dealing with emotions, two ways of managing stress. Stress is a mo an emotion. It's anxiety. It's worry. It's what, what have you. Um, one way is to express them. And ultimately, by the way, there's only one way to deal with stress. And that is to feel your emotions, express it fully and completely, and then respond to yourself 
in a supportive, encouraging, and loving way. The other way to deal with feelings is to distract from them. Guess what? Food is a distraction. Eating is a distraction. And that's why when you hear about distractions like, oh, well, the next time you head for the kitchen, just go brush your teeth. Yeah, that's not going to work because it's not a good enough distraction. It is not a distraction that works. Food works. Brushing your teeth doesn't work. It doesn't comfort you. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't distract you. It's just brushing your teeth. And all you're doing when you're thinking about brushing your teeth is, okay, now when I go eat the ice cream and have a really minty, fresh breath. (laughs) Yeah. So all of these distractions ultimately don't work. You can try certain distractions, but ultimately the only way to deal with stress or any emotion is to deal with what is eating at you and process them. And expressing our feelings is a fundamental part of of being human. Uh, But of course, we are taught that we shouldn't be human. No, no, no. Don't have feelings. You're weak if you have feelings and you're strong if you can push those feelings away. Well, guess what? I got news for you. No, it's the opposite. It takes strength to feel difficult feelings. And uh, uh, our feelings are a guide for us and they connect us to ourselves and to each other. So one way to express um, emotions is to just is to communicate, to communicate what it is that you are feeling and why. That means talking about how you are feeling, whether it's to yourself in a journal, to somebody else, to a therapist, expressing it. That's how we get it out. You cannot stuff your feelings down. You cannot drop them. You cannot ignore them. You certainly cannot positive think them away or gratitude them away. The only way to get rid of feelings is to actually feel them. And why are emotions called feelings? Because we feel them in our bodies. So if you are stressed and you are stressed eat, stress eating, then you've got to express that. I'm anxious. I'm stressed because of this. I'm anxious. I'm worried. I'm this. I'm that. Of course, It can be mitigated by using what is instead of what if and using the muscle relaxation technique. But ultimately, you've got to be able to express what you are feeling and then respond to yourself. And we're not taught this, right? We don't know how to feel our feelings. We don't know how to respond to ourselves. We know how to respond to other people, but somehow we treat other people differently than the way we treat ourselves, right? So uh, be sure that you you express yourself fully and completely. Uh, you could do that in journaling. You can, by the way, join my Dr. Nina's Food for Thought community. That is a great place where you can meet other people and share how you feel. Lots of people are shy about uh, talking about their, their specific situation, so they post anonymously. And and it's a safe way of expressing yourself. It's a safe way of of getting what you need. Um, and also, uh, for some people, artistic expression is helpful, but it's not complete. You still have to have the thoughts. If you paint, if you draw, if you dance, if you make music, if you do whatever, it is expressive, uh, true, but you still have to have the thoughts that go with it. What does the situation mean to you? What does it mean about you? What does it mean about the world? What does it mean about other people? You know, 
Maybe that leads you back to existential anxiety, but it can, it can help you identify some of the thoughts as well as the feelings that might be triggering stress eating. So stress is a part of life, but it doesn't need to control your eating habits or, or your life. And I think that that is, Jordan is telling me that it is about time for my break. So I'm going to take a short break. If you're on Instagram, I will stay with you. Uh, And if you're on Voice America, I'll be back in two minutes after the break. See you then. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you tired of the endless cycle of dieting and binging? Ready to break free from emotional eating and regain control of your life? Look no further than The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina, the transformative radio show that will empower you on your journey to food freedom. Dr. Nina is here to guide you every step of the way. Join her as she delves into the true causes of binge eating, uncovers hidden triggers, and gives you effective strategies for lasting change. With practical tips and inspiring stories of transformation, The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina will help you nurture a healthier mindset, embrace self-compassion, and rediscover your true self. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Have questions for Dr. Nina? Join her on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now back to the show. Hey, welcome back to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. We are talking about how to stop stress eating and any other Q&As, any other questions that people have. Um, I am the the first show of every month. I take questions from listeners and answer them. So if you have any questions that you want me to answer, please let me know. You can find, you can DM me on Instagram. You can write me through my uh, website. Dr. Nina Inc., D-R-N-I-N-A-I-N-C.com, or you can join the Instagram live stream and just put a question in the comment. Okay, so this is from someone I am just going to call Kay. Kay said, I love, love, love all that you have to say. Yay, Kay. Um, She listens to the podcast, she's reading the book, and she has a question, and this is her question. 
I get the emotional eating part, and I've been able to identify a few times when I turn to food for comfort or out of stalling because I don't want to do something like go to work. Um, and then I feel like I need to load up on food because it could be a long day and I don't want to be starving at work. And the, I also go to food because it just tastes good. And I say to myself, well, Dr. Nina says if you're going to eat it, it must be yummy. By the way, this is true. I have one food rule and one food rule only. It has to be yummy. It has to be yummy. Um, so what am I to do? I I overindulge because I'm enjoying the freedom of it. Sometimes I identify I don't want it. I don't need it. But my problem is it just tastes so good. I want more. Can you set me straight? You know, some years ago, uh, Nicole, who used to call my old show on LA Talk Radio, and I think I saw Nicole here in Instagram a little bit ago. Nicole called me and she she said that she had gone to a Greek restaurant and that she just binged. She just couldn't stop eating, even though she was so full, she couldn't stop eating this delicious Greek food. And she said nothing was bothering her. You know, nothing emotional was going on. Everything was actually going well in her life. All was well. Why couldn't she stop eating this, this Greek food? Surely she must be a food addict. Well, I might have embellished the last part, Nicole, but it was something along those lines, like how to explain it. So when we talked, Nicole shared that She's always on a diet, and the diet was the most bland, boring, yawn food, like not yummy. So like, you know, broiled chicken breast with nothing on it and, you know, broccoli with, with without seasoning and a salad with no dressing or like it was just boring and bland and it was not yummy and it was not delicious. So her palate was so deprived. Right? Her palate was deprived of yumminess. And that is why when she went to the Greek restaurant, which, hey, Greek food is really tasty. It's really, it's got full, it's full of flavors. So she had been so deprived of flavorful food and she'd been eating such bland, boring diet food that she couldn't get enough of the flavor. So this is part of the reason why I say that it has to be yummy. You don't want to deprive your palate, you know, as well as, you know, psychologically deprive yourself. You want to be able to have everything taste good because if not, then you are going to have the experience of as soon as you get something that's really palatable, you're going to overdo it to make up for the deprivation that you just had. So I think there might be something of that. That, that's going on. And sometimes when, we, when we're when we on diets uh, the, and then we, we give up the diet mentality, the pendulum swings a little too far to the other direction and then it evens out and it's in the middle. So perhaps, Kay, uh, you want to think about that. There are a few things in, in your questions, a few questions actually. Um, so first of all, really good for you that you are noticing why you are eating instead of focusing on what you're eating. Um, that's so important, as I was just talking about earlier in the show. And it sounds like you're eating to avoid being hungry later, which is not helpful. You know, my it has to be yummy food rule. It applies to when you're actually eating meals and snacks. And that is different from eating to avoid future hunger. So if you're eating to avoid future hunger, 
that is not appropriate eating. Um, so think about what else you can do to avoid future hunger. Maybe you can bring some energy bars or or some snacks, or if you can't go out to lunch, or maybe you can bring a lunch. And a lot of people say, oh, I can't eat in front of other people. That can't, no, I can't do that. Mm -mm -mm. Which I get. I get that. I've been there. I remember that. I I remember just feeling as if everyone was watching me take every bite that I was having. Like they must be staring at me like, like, and judging me. And of course, I imagine that they were thinking the judgmental thoughts that I had about myself, right? So often when we think when we don't want to eat in front of other people, because we think they're judging us and they're thinking, why is she eating that? She shouldn't eat that. Mm-mm. Really, that's our thoughts that we have about ourselves projected into other people and back at us. So if you can't, if you don't feel like you can bring a lunch because you don't want to eat in front of people or anything like that, bring a lunch and go eat it in your car or go to a park somewhere and, and have it there. Take even, you know, just, just make sure that you are eating when you are hungry and at lunch. Just don't pre-eat lunch at breakfast. That doesn't work. That's disturbed eating. It may not be, an, um, you know, it's, it's dysfunctional eating, right? You don't want to eat for the, to avoid future hunger. You want to prepare yourself for, for future hunger by, by bringing food that you can have. And again, if, if eating in front of people is an issue, um, you know, go to your car or go somewhere. There's, there's somewhere you can go to be alone. You can eat something. And you don't feel so mortified about that. Again, I don't know if Kay feels that way, but that is uh, something that I, I, I hear a lot. Um, so she's also said that she enjoys the freedom of it. Um, and there is something that's the pendulum aspect of it. If you're, if you've been, if you've been on, a, a, if you've been dieting your whole life. And suddenly you embrace the no diet philosophy. That is not, by the way, that is not um, a green light to just eat whatever, whenever. It means eating, eating whatever, but at the appropriate time. So it means having whatever you want for breakfast. It means having whatever you want for lunch, but really being being mindful of what's healthy. doesn't mean like, oh, I can eat whatever I want. So I'll have French toast for breakfast, I'll have pizza for lunch, and I'll have pasta for dinner. No, that's not healthy. You want to, but so, sometimes you have French toast, sometimes you have pizza, and sometimes you have pasta. You want to be able to start tuning in to your body, thinking about, well, what does my body want? Am I more, um, do I want protein? Do I want more vegetables? What, like, what does my body want? And if you've been dieting your whole life, it's really hard to tune in to what your body wants until you are out of the uh, emotional eating part of it, until you're out of the stress eating part of it, because that clouds everything. You cannot in my experience of 22 years as an eating disorder specialist and psychoanalyst, I can tell you that no one can become an intuitive eater until after they have dealt with the emotional reasons why they are eating. Now, there might be people who disagree with that, and there might be people who uh, have been able to do that. Good for you. Good on you. I'm happy for you. I'm just talking about my personal experience with uh people over two decades, never seen it happen. I've treated a lot of people. So if, if you find it hard to be an intuitive eater, 
it's okay. First, just just, just instead of focusing on um, you know what you're eating, really focus on why. Focus on why. Identify why you're turning to food. What is eating at you? What is weighing on you? Use new strategies to uh, respond to yourself, and um, and that means expressing your emotions. And then learning to comfort yourself with words. This is where my very acronym comes in, you know, because we're not taught how to comfort ourselves. We're taught, it's okay. That's not so bad. It could be worse. Someone else had it so much worse. You should be grateful it wasn't worse. Look on the bright side. Yeah, we're taught not to feel our feelings. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you that then you feel bad about why you feel bad and then you feel bad because you because you can't because you because you feel bad about it. <laughs> why I should feel positive about this because it's not as bad as it could be. No. So, first, really focus on what is what's going on? Why are you turning to food? It's either because you are in the diet mentality and you are and and you are in the diet binge cycle or the diet emotional eating cycle where you go from um, deprivation and not not eating enough or not eating enough of the foods that you like to wanting the thing that you cannot have and then that all or nothing diet mentality which is I had the cookies I might as well have the chips too and the cake and the pizza and everything else and then you know I'm gonna start my diet again tomorrow or next week. So that's one reason why you might be overdoing it with food. Another reason is using food for the wrong reason. Uh, when I was talking about stress eating before, I talked about it's that food can have a sedative effect. It can sedate you. So if you're all stressed out and you're going to eat a lot of carby foods, you are eating to sedate your body, which is not a good healthy response to stress. Or the opposite, which is maybe you're feeling really sluggish and you're really tired and you're drained and you're exhausted and you want to take a nap, but you can't. So you go and you eat a bunch of stuff with sugar, thinking that it'll like lift you up, pep you up. So that's, again, eating for the wrong reason. The other reason and the most, the, the primary reason for why people use food for emotional eating and binge eating is uh, psychologically that you are using it to uh, turn away from something else or to to not think about and not feel something that you don't want to feel to distract yourself to there, there's so much symbolism in it too. Sometimes when we're angry, we can't we can't recognize that we're angry, so we eat a bunch of chips and then we're mad at ourselves. Right. Well, actually, you're 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 mad at a situation. So how about you express that and you comfort yourself? Very validate, acknowledge, reassure yourself. That's how you comfort yourself. Or maybe you're lonely and you end up eating a lot of food and getting really full and really stuffed. And you and you're just like, oh, what's wrong with me? What what why can't I stop? Well, maybe you're symbolically filling a void. So you want to look at, well, what's the loneliness? What's the emptiness? Really take a look at what are the holes in your life and find new ways to fill them. 
other than symbolically using food for that purpose. And I am not here to say that anyone is like, oh, I feel very lonely and I'm experiencing that as a void within my body. So I think that I'll eat the entire pizza. No, this is unconscious. It is unconscious, out of awareness, but not out of operation. And as a psychoanalyst, I'm here to help you make the unconscious into consciousness. We cannot, like I've talked about that invisible army, we can't fight what we cannot see. Often the reasons for, for emotional eating are hidden from us. They are hidden in our, in our unconscious mind. I love the weed root analogy, which is that we see we see a weed, but you know if you pluck the weed without getting to the root, it's going to grow back. Well, plucking a weed is like going on a diet. It's going to grow back. You've got to get to the root. And why do I like this analogy so much? Because the root is hidden from sight. It is in the dirt. It's in the, the, the dark. We can't see it, but it grows the weed. Just like we have psychological roots, we can't see them but they have so much to do with our behavior around food. And once you see them, then you can deal with them. One root that I find is really common with people is um, that in, when they need comfort, when they need understanding, when they need like someone to really show up for them, <laughs> they attack themselves. And then they end up turning to food to escape their own mean voice. So we really need to treat other people and ourselves the same way. Often we treat other people one way. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, oh, you ate the whole pint of ice cream. Well, something must have been going on with you. I'm I, like, talk to me. I'm, I'm here for you. Nice, nice, nice. But then if you eat the pint of ice cream, it's, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Oh, if people knew this, they'd be disgusted. I, I'm disgusted by myself. What's wrong with me? I hate myself. Where's the ice cream? Because, you know, you cannot, you cannot hate yourself into feeling good about yourself. Absolutely cannot. Cannot hate yourself into feeling good. All right, next question. Ah. I feel like food cravings overwhelm my good intentions. Hmm, what can I do? All right, that's an interesting question because let's break it down. Uh, we think we're triggered by food. We think we're having food cravings, but often uh, those food cravings are being triggered by food. Actually, we're being triggered by something else, some situation that makes us want to turn to food to feel better, to escape, to comfort, to distract, what have you. Um, so are those food cravings actually food cravings? No. What are you truly hungry for? What are you, what, you know, what, what is your heart craving? What do you really need? What's going on with you? And then my good intentions sounds like a diet mentality, good intentions. I'm going to be good today. I'm only going to eat, you know, whole organic foods, nothing out of a wrapper, and I'm not going to overdo anything. <laughs> I'm going to be good. Yeah. So that is called diet mentality and diet mentality leads to binging. That's why it's called the diet 
binge cycle. So being good also means you're overly focused on what you are eating instead of why. And those food cravings, I suspect, are really uh, cravings for something else. It, it it we often suddenly want to eat something because we don't want to deal with something because it's too scary to think about it's it's too there's too much uncertainty it makes us uncomfortable something about ourselves something about other people something we don't want to know uh so often that is what's going on with the food cravings so instead, instead, really be a detective. When you have a food craving, ask yourself, what are you really craving? It, you know, are you trying not to think about something? Are you, are you craving, uh, you know, relaxation? Are you craving distraction? Are you craving comfort? What is it that is going on with you? What, that food craving is not a food craving. That food craving is a craving for something. And by the way, sometimes we have, uh, you know, oh, we have dessert. Like, yes, that was a good meal and I'm going to have dessert. There's nothing wrong with having dessert. But if you're trying to be good or, as this person put, have good intentions, then you set this rule for yourself. I will not have good. I will not have dessert. I'll be good. So then just having ice cream for dessert feels like you're being bad. And now you feel bad about yourself just because you want dessert. And you can't feel bad about yourself and, and, and good about yourself at the same time. So it ends up being this focus on food. So you can see how like diet mentality is the devil. Diet mentality keeps us focused on the wrong thing. And by the way, the diet industry is a $60 billion industry, $60 billion industry. And a $60 billion industry is not uh, interested in having you just uh, go on a diet and be done. They're interested in you going on diet after diet after diet after diet. Just like the car industry is not going to build a car that's going to last forever. They want to sell you a car that's going to be good for a few years, and then you're going to have to get a new car. Right? Because why? What, it would not behoove the automobile industry to have you buy a car that lasts forever. I'm sure they could make one, but they're not going to do it because they want to, you know, they want to make money. So does the diet industry. So don't fall for this. Oh, if you eat this and not that, you're going to lose weight and you're going to have the life of your dreams because that's the illusion that the diet industry sells us. So focus on, you know, what's eating at you, not on what you are eating. And, and fight the diet industry by saying goodbye to diets. All right, really quickly, we only have a few minutes, but um, a, another question, how can I respond better when I feel out of control around certain foods? Okay, again, certain foods. I'm going to guess that those are, are foods that you do not allow yourself, so they are forbidden. And what if I tell you, do not think about a parrot. Do not think about a parrot. Do not think about a penguin. What's in your mind right now? A parrot and a penguin. We want what we cannot have. So if you tell yourself these certain foods are off limits, what are you going to want 
those same certain foods. And then when you have them, the diet mentality is like, oh, I blew it. It's all or nothing. I blew it. I might as well have all of it. I'll start my diet tomorrow. So um, really look at and, and at, at how you might have embraced diet mentality without even realizing it. There is a book called The Body Project, amazing book. Uh, and it traces the diaries of young girls over from like the, the 1800s through, I guess, the 1970s, something like that. I, I have it. I've read it. I should know this, but something like that. And the author points out that girls used to think right, right in their diaries, oh, I hope, I hope people think that I'm a good person. I hope they think I'm a moral person. I hope that, you know, other people are, 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 are judging me as a good person with good values who helps others. And then somewhere around, I think, World War II, Girls started writing in their diaries, I hope they think I'm pretty. I hope they think I'm attractive. I hope they think I'm, and then it became, I hope they think I'm thin. And by the 70s, a lot of what was going on and what girls were writing about in their journals and diaries was all about what they looked like. We have lost focus of what is truly important. I am not saying looks are not important. Yeah, it, that's how we judge our. Uh, there, that's how we judge ourselves. If, if looks were not important, we'd all wear burlap sacks, and you know, no one would comb their hair, and there would be no makeup industry. Looks are, yeah, looks are important, but they're not. They're not the most important, and we need to focus more on you know weighing our value, who we are, and and recognizing. Um, you know, the size of our our, our hearts and our, our con consideration for others rather than, you know, what's the measure of, of us on the scale. A scale cannot measure your value. A scale does not know you. And you are not a better person if you are thinner. That's all I'm going to say. So really look at, like, if you weren't in in this diet mentality, if you weren't constantly thinking about how to lose weight, what would be on your mind? What would you want? What would you be thinking about? What would you want for yourself? What are you truly hungry for? These are very important thoughts. Um, and again, well, I have many more questions, which I will get to uh, uh, in March. <laughs> but if you have any questions for me, please, please let me know, and uh, I will answer them on air. And that is it for today. Thank you so much for joining me here on The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I'm here every Thursday at noon Pacific on Voice America. And if you want a deeper dive into this topic, please be sure to get your copy of my best-selling book, The Binge Cure, Seven Steps to Outsmart Emotional Eating. It is available on Amazon in all formats, including Audible, if you want me to read it to you. Plus, there's the workbook. The Binge Cure Journal, you can get that too. And uh, so stay curious, not critical. I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Each week, she offers valuable insights to stop emotional eating and give steps to lead a joyous life. Tune in next Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you.